Hello and welcome to another DP World Tour Kicks and Bets Major Edition Open Championship. Come off a fun week last week with the Scottish Open. Tom, how are we doing, my friend? It's good. Yeah, it was a really fun week. It could have been more fun if uh, Ju Young Kim got himself over the line. And then, of course, um, our guy, Matty Schmidt, at the Barbasol. But, um, you know, it was it was really close. I think we we kind of peppered it. We surrounded leaderboards. I thought Tyrrell Hassan, you know, lit himself down a little bit over the weekend. But otherwise, I was pretty happy with what we did right. You know, I think the, the process was there. And I think similar sort of lines of thinking this week. Uh, maybe just a couple of different adjustments for St. Andrews in particular. But um, yeah, I thought it was a good week, fun week. Uh, Xander was, you know, good when he needed to be in the end. Uh, very similar to the Travellers. Didn't get it going until the final bit when it mattered and, and did it, right? And that's a sign of improvement, I think. Many will say, you know, it wasn't convincing again, but I would probably say it's good that he can win without his best stuff uh, and hopefully he brings it next time. Yeah, I felt from a process standpoint, um, I think the PGA Tour, like if I summed up kind of the year and kind of leading into this, PGA Tour has been much kinder to us and to many um, throughout the year. And it felt getting that combo field and really dialing into the the DP World Tour guys. I thought we were spot on. I mean, the results, obviously, Ju Young's top five, and I don't know if I classify him as a DP World Tour player, but I mean, that pays two, three, almost four X. Some, some some of the Xander numbers that were out there um, felt like we were aligned on, on a lot of guys that paid off on DraftKings. Valamaki had one of his better showings of, you know, a long time for him in this type of field. Jordan Smith in the mix. You were very confident in him. Um, it just felt like a really good week. And then it took, you took that same momentum over to the Barbasol. And I would say the Barbasol felt as right as we've been all year, like we were right there and should have been rewarded. I mean, really more than we had. And I mean, there was a chance you could have cashed the show on a 400 to one and a 90 to one, a hundred to one, you know, pick in one week. Like that was within the realm of outcomes, you know, as we went down the stretch and fortunately doesn't go your way and it ends up, you know, not being near as profitable of a week, but um, I feel we're so close, man. I'm excited for the, the stretch run. Yeah, it's, it's, it's looking good. I mean, like you say, like, you know, it's all leaves about some babies, of course. But like, you know, we mentioned Hurley Long. We mentioned Michael Kim, mentioned Matty Schmid, Mark Hubbard. Like, they were all inside the top eight. And then, you, you know, it, Yannick Paul was up there for a good period yeah. of time. Like, there was a good period of time where there was like three Germans in the top 10. And like, it was really nice, actually, to see how well they competed uh, over there. You, you never know quite how it's going to translate. And I know the field was, you know, considerably weaker than, you know, normal. But it's still a great sign. So, uh, yeah, I liked it. What I thought was a little interesting, we won't really talk Barracuda today. It's, you know, Monday, early Monday. We have some thoughts as the week progresses on it, focusing on the open for our show today. But it was interesting to me. I, I feel like Schmid, Yannick, and uh, Hurley Long, for instance, those three younger guys went to school in the States. I mean, Maddie, of course, was right there. You know, even Gouvet, who was in the mix a little bit, you know, went to college, I think, in Florida. Like, it just felt there was some type of American familiarity that might have helped some of these guys. Cause what I was very, it was almost like flipped, you know, none of the DP world tour guys ended up finishing that well at the Scottish open. However, the, the leaderboard at the Barbasol was littered with those guys. And I think that almost makes the most sense at the bottom of the PGA tour field events aren't near the same of what it is. And some of these mid-class DP world tour guys can compete with those guys 
week in and week out. We're going to see it again at Barracuda. I'm excited for that. We're getting even more of those fringe guys, in my opinion, over um, to the CUDA this week. So I'm excited for that. And yeah, it just was a poor showing, um, I guess, a poor final round. There were some that were around besides, I mean, I guess Kitayama's a PGA Tour guy now, but, you know, it just they didn't come through like we would have wanted. But I remain just as bullish about some of the DP World Tour guys making a huge impact on the Open Championship. Yeah, I think so too. I think, you know, Dunhill links is, you know, you've got to, I mean, you, you're better at this in terms of passing out the data in terms of just specifically St. Andrews at Dunhill links, but like, you know, it, it's it's refreshing to see um, the, the links to the golf course and, and having that kind of course form. It does get noisy when you just look at Dunhill links results, you've got to be a little bit careful, but like, you know, with links, I think to Carnoustie in 2018, there's a little bit of crossover, both, you know, original designers, Augusta seems to be a good pointer. So, um, you know, there's, there's guys that if you can find that have played both of those well um, and, and won't necessarily be the top prices, I think you can be rewarded. And I think you can be rewarded with some veteran players as well, which maybe we can get into. Yeah. And again, I think Open Championship Week sets up differently from a betting perspective. We normally come in here ready to rip all of our cards for the week. You know, it's just not the way you can go about it during Open Championship. The weather looked like it was going to be nothing at one point. Now it looks like it might pick up a little bit. I mean, it clearly had a massive impact last week at the Scottish Open. So we know it is a change in forecast away from making a huge, huge difference. So it's, I'm it's excited like I, to... I put the first round leader ask out for the Scottish Open last week on Tuesday and there was nothing. There was no way split, no anything. And then me and you spoke on Wednesday in a live show and you sort of said like something that can develop. And I was like, yes, it has. I still don't think it's going to be as significant as, you know, maybe it suggests. And, and I didn't really buy into it. Uh, which is kind of my own fault. And I and I keep trying to avoid getting stuck in those weather sort of things, which I think is to my detriment. I think in terms of DFS, I need to kind of pick a side from now on. So the only thing I, I would say about that, you know, think back to 2015, there was a huge delay. And, you know, those tee times are just going to get thrown out like they did at the Players' Championship. So um, one thing to maybe, I don't think it's going to be like that this week. I don't think they're going to come off the golf course. But um, yeah, certainly something to keep an eye on. And like you say, just, I think the best, best, way for us to approach this guys for us to just kind of give our guys like who we like you know based on a completely neutral playing field um and then uh, you know the, the listeners and viewers can kind of take from that what they will and you know it tea times and and weather split starts to cause a you know a factor they can kind of put their own knowledge to that i think yeah and we're active on twitter all week you can ask us questions you can find more articles and, and different shows that you'll be a part of um, we're going to be together in lost for words and we're going to talk in even more detail potentially about some of the guys up top you know that we're we're interested in um it's it's just an interesting week i think we can we can definitely round ourselves around some names uh guys that can make an impact and um just go from there so i think we start with the course i mean it's a historic major, the 150th Open Championship being at the home of golf, St. Andrews. Um, I mean, we've seen golfers leading up. Tiger's been out there for a handful of days. We saw a lot of golfers who, who missed the cut, um, head right on over. Just it, the, the joy in the air of, of what St. Andrews brings. I mean, it's what all of us, you know, golf guys dream of kind of being around and a part of. So it's going to be a very special week, extremely excited. Um, you know, late viewing or early viewing for wherever you live in the States, you know, kind of the, the standard time here uh, for you, but break down the course and I guess the way it could be impacted by the weather. And if it's not weather, what do you think could be taken advantage of? 
Yeah, so I think for me, like, you know, it's it's a course that hasn't really changed. Like, you know, 7,300 yards, basically, past 72, that has basically been playing like that for a long time. And back in the day when Tiger won it, he was, you know, far and away the, the kind of yardage leader and, and put that to good use. And Ustazen did the same. I think he led the field in driving distance. So you start to think, okay, a distance has a huge advantage. And then Zach Johnson wins, right? And it's, you know, what does that mean? Well, you know, you had that kind of weather split that I think, Zach Johnson then took advantage of the scrambling aspects of, you know, Open Championships, which comes up. And, you know, Dave Tindall and Steve Rawlings at Betfair, you know, have made some really good points. Like three of the four best scramblers at the 2015 Open actually finished inside the top four that week. Um, and seven of the last eight uh, Open Championship winners have ranked inside the top seven for scrambling. So I think it has to be considered. Um, the other thing I would say as well is that, like, I keep... And someone messaged, kind of messaged me about this earlier and, and they made a good point that like my original stance on the DraftKings shirt yesterday was like, I think you can kind of rule out what happened last year at St. George's in terms of like open championship. It didn't feel like a true open championship test. It was too low scoring. It wasn't any wind, et cetera. And then he said, but yeah, you're expecting low scoring at St. Andrews this week in the same breath. So how do you kind of pass it out? And it's tough. I just, I just think I prefer this kind of like Scottish course feel. Like I think Carnoustie is, you know, a decent link, although it gets a lot tougher. It's also one that gets played in that three-course rotation at Dunhill Links. Um, and one of the really unique things, obviously, is that is the 14 par fours, which, you know, is going to have a huge impact. Jordan Spieth led the field, um, you know, in par four scoring in 2015, finished fourth. Zach Johnson was second. He obviously won. And then the two playoff protagonists were third and fourth. Uh, in that category as well. So only Jordan Nebruge, who was inside the top 10, actually finished outside the top 10 for par four scoring. So, you know, I think it's, the par fours are huge. Scrambling's big. Um, is it going to be as big if it turns into the birdie fest that many think it can be? Possibly not. Um, but I don't I don't think, because of how big the fairways are, because of how big the greens are, obviously some of them share fairways and share greens that, like, it's really hard to really drill down on approach play or driving, like, as long as it's not horrendous, I think we can get away with both by making up with some good short games. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I think the the less weather has to do with it, the more the ball striking is going to come into a factor. Um, I mean, it, it's the epitome of what Colin Morikawa's game is, in, in a sense of what you saw last week at the Scottish when there was conditions versus what you see at the Open Championship last year when he wins. Like that – that can be the side and can golfers like Cam Smith or Spieth find more of an advantage when the conditions are up and they don't have to drive it with the best of them because that can, that can make a big difference. Accuracy does not matter here. Fairways, like you mentioned, incredibly wide. There is some more fescue from what I understand versus short grass. Um, but it's like way, if you have to hit it miles offline to really bring that into play. Um, I, think, I think the biggest defense, right, is the bunkers. Like if you avoid the bunkers, you, you, you're pretty good. Like that is the one remaining test that no matter what, you know, happens with weather, like if you get stuck in one of those, you're, you know, you're, you're making bogey, you know, the best. So um, try and avoid some of those bunkers and like, like the greens are slow. Like that's just, you know, so it's a thing of open championships. So people that put better on slower greens are going to be the advantage. I think people that play in Scotland more often than not, uh, you know, advantage. I, I do think there's a slight difference between open championships in Scotland versus kind of England and Ireland and things like that. But I, I just think this is, there's a massive link to Augusta. It's, it's the only trouble with, with that is that like, is it just the elite players that play well at both? And, you know, you play Augusta every year and it's, you know, repetitive and you play St. Andrews two or three times in a, an elite career, like you get used to it. So, um, there's a lot of noise out there and it's it's kind of hard to pass through that. I think what I would say is I think this golf course would 
you know, like you said, if, if the weather's down, it's going to reward the people that are just hitting the ball the best and the people that, are, you know, got the complete game, the informed players. I'm thinking the guys in like like JT Post and stuff. I feel I feel like you're going to get a surprise player like that in the top 10, 12 that plays well just because the, the scoring suits. Like, you know, I think Zach Johnson said he, for the first 11 holes in 2015, like maybe the final round, he had like nothing longer than an eight on it. And like that just shows that like with a wedge in your hand most of the time you're going to be able to take advantage. So look at those guys with you know great wedge play, great scrambling, par four scoring, and you know you'd be pretty happy. Yep, going to definitely dig into that around the green game putting and and really, I mean if if I, I do want to lean on some distance and think that can be an advantage, especially when we get down to our guys, we're going to have to like pretty much. And I found this interesting at um, the U.S. Open at the Country Club, looking at the value plays on DraftKings, a lot of them had one specific skill that they did very, very well. And even guys that you wouldn't anticipate rating well, like it ended up being like just stroke scan off the tee, even like, and, and you just almost have to separate those guys from the rest. If you looked at all 6K guys and ranked some of those guys off the tee, even golfers like Matthew Neesmith or Hayden Buckley, like those type of guys that Joel Dahman, those guys that showed up at the country club, had that if you did one skill that showed there so like that's the way i'm probably going to approach it is if i can find a skill set or, or maybe a, a combination that can accumulate into that to, to really hone in because i'm probably not going to end up being on guy who hits at 270 at 6200 another guy that hits at 330 at 6400 like you just have to make some stances. And I think ultimately that's going to kind of be where um, you draw the lines for, but enough on the course, let's dig into these guys. Let's, let's start talking to players. And yep. um, we had a really good response from the live show last week. I want to thank everybody for listening. Um, you know, it was a cool, unique thing to do for the Scottish open, especially with the holiday um, turn around a lot of listens for us. We really appreciate it. If you prefer the audio format, again, this is out on Monday. We have some lead up into the open championship. You can find us on daily fantasy sports picks and bets. The mix, um, that's anywhere on any of your audio formats. Just will be ahead for us for the next few weeks and um, our next few days leading up to that. So please rate, review, subscribe. It goes a really, really long way for us to continue this stretch run um, as there's a lot of good golf on the DP World Tour and a lot of big events uh, with some of these guys in there. So do we... I don't even know if it's worth kind of diving into the top. I mean, we're not seeing... You can... You can root for or find a reason to play or not play pretty much any golfer 9k and above i will i guess my opening question before we even get into some of the dp world tour guys is what's your stance on some of the live players do you think um is there a difference in how you view them right now yeah i think now that the ones that have played both for the first two events and have got settled i think are you know probably going to play closer to what they've done in the past so DJ, Louis, uh, obviously Louis's got a great course record here, never been beaten in regulation play. So um, I think I think it's hard because it's really hard again still, like we said, to you know really understand what the, the current form means in terms of live. But I think I think for guys like DJ and, and Louis that are probably settled, that's a benefit. Um, I think there's still some guys, possibly Hideki, possibly Hovland, um, Henrik Stenson that are, you know, probably in the process of going there or at least being rumoured and I think that's affecting their play um, so I think the guys have got absolute clarity of just what they're doing living by their decision are probably okay now and you know DJ was a 36 hole leader here in 2015 and Louis won one and lost the playoffs so I think those two guys are probably the, the two that I'd have any real interest in 
yeah, I'm kind of in, intrigued, sat, sadly intrigued by some of these golfers. And it's only, well, it's not only, I think there's reasons statistically to back some of them. Um, none of them are the, the DP World Tour guys. I mean, Brandon Grace, for example, played really, really well last year. He would have been good. Was, yeah. what, and that, so like, he's a perfect example. Even though he was added to the field late on DraftKings, and we talked about this on the show, added late on DraftKings, people don't want to play him because he's live. And he was very underpriced. He ended up being like 5 or 6% owned. And he was one of the best values of the week. Um, I don't think anyone's as standout as that was. However, like, for example, the the guy who's made the biggest, the two guys actually, who've made the biggest clowns of themselves, I think, over the last couple of weeks, I'm actually very intrigued at because That's I think not, Taylor Gooch is Gooch. like... Yeah, he's like an, a crazy good value. He's $7,200 this week. He yeah. led the live events in greens and regulation both times. Like, we can talk about it more. You can hear on Lost Forwards, we kind of go through this. But, like, him and I've had it on my whiteboard, Tom, since, like, 2018 that Brooks Kepka said he's going to win an Open Championship at St. Yeah. Andrews. Literally, yeah. I said that. You look at the stats of who's one of the best players to play this course. It's him who cut his teeth over here. It's him who's always in the mix of the Open Championship, even when he's former bad golf. It's him. So I have some interest there. But So I think why it's even more intriguing is DraftKings. People won't play them. They're not as familiar what's going on. They're not digging in the stats. There's an angle there. So I'm not ready to rule them out or cross them out like many will. Um, so we can, yeah, we can talk about that more. But I think that was at least guys that were above 9k that kind of had some questions around them but i think we just stick with with our bread and butter tom and it it kind of we're going to go through some of the 8k range and then we're going to go into really what matters seven and sixes uh for our dp world tour guys so the two really to talk about in the 8ks to me are fleetwood and hat um tremendous call on, on tyrell hatton last week again He's one that you're not going to see it in the final tally of how well his week was, truthfully. But flashback into form, could have been right there in the mix. Um, come Sunday, a couple double bogeys, um, really did him in. But do you feel as confident on, on Hatton and Fleetwood this week as they performed last week? Uh, no, and only because they haven't done what I want them to do in open championships in general. Um, like I think Hatton's kind of let himself down in the open in the past, and and Fleetwood, barring obviously the 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 one where he finished second in in the island, um, you know, was was pretty disappointing. But he was third at the halfway stage at Carnoustie, I think it was, and you know that that's a course that I really like as a, a kind of correlation. So if I had to pick one of the two, it would be Fleetwood. Um, and and I, I, would, I would probably be pretty comfortable going with Fleetwood. I know I know Hatton's got the kind of fifth and sixth place finishes in the Open Championships, but they don't feel like one that he would necessarily do here. Well, it was interesting too, if I remember right, Hatton's last or it would have been nineteen. So his last top ten was that nineteen when when Lowry won. Um, yes, yeah, and he so was that, I mean that Open Championship. Um, yeah, so his last because then he was miscut the last time it was played. That was the backdoor Sunday one where. It was, he went out super early, same, I have to remind this to Jason tonight, same story with, with Bob McIntyre that year too, where those guys really went low on Sunday to, to backdoor it and really doesn't show as much of what their true week was versus how that weather split out that day. So, yeah, I mean, 
Yeah, the interesting thing I would guys. say about Hassan is like I focused a lot of my no on the fact that he missed the cut here in 2015, right? But he missed his first three cuts in the Dunhill Championship as well. And he then he won 2016, won 2017, runner-up 2019, runner-up 2021, and should have won 2021, by the way. So he should be a three-time winner there. So if you factor that in, the fact that he's a better goal for one on the PGA Tour now, actually, as I'm kind of talking myself through it, I, I think I'm pretty you know, okay with Hassan as well. So I think Hassan and Fleetwood should be in lineups. Yeah, if you looked at just St. Andrew's specific history, um, Hatton, he would be 10th of guys in this field, but he's played 13 rounds here. This is 2015 Open and beyond, gaining more than two strokes on the field. If you keep going down, you have Lowry in the mix there, who kind of skipped over the 9Ks, but, you know, we can probably make similar case conversation about Lowry. But then Tommy's right there next. These guys have a ton of experience here and, of course, you know, have performed. So I think they're both definitely in play um, as we early on and go, I wouldn't be ruling out any of them. But now, now we dip into the sevens. Yeah, Tom, one call we nailed last week, man. We can't be paying these prices for Bob McIntyre. Mm-hmm. Like, it, it, he's what, 75 to one to win this week? He's $7,800. Yeah, $7,800. It's getting a little crazy, this Bob Love, when it comes to the Open Championship. How long is Jason's timeline on it the rest of his life that he's going to win an Open Championship? Yeah, he right? basically just at some point ever, he's going to win an Open Championship. Which, uh, I think Guido he, will too. So. Yeah, yeah. so you could, you two could have that conversation. But, um, you know, it's really weird because like you, you would think that looking at it, was he sixth and eighth in his two uh, Open Championship starts, right? And, you know, he's going to come to St. Andrew. And like I said last week, like he's not a guy that shies away from, um, you know, playing at home. But, I, yeah, I just... I have nothing really to believe in him. Like he missed the cut of the Dunhill Links last year. He was 26th the year before that, which is fine, but he shot 70 on the final day at St. Andrews. And I don't know, Sky, maybe you know, but like he shot 71, 66, 66. I don't know whether the 71 came at St. Andrews as well. So the 71 and the 70 came at St. Andrews in that, in that 2020 appearance in Dunhill Links, all of a sudden you're, you're kind of worried about Bob. So um, I won't be playing him and, and just hope that the open championship form doesn't continue. Yeah, if I had to dig in and see here. He's been okay, so I'll go through his exact rounds I just got here. Let's see. 70-70-66 is three rounds. Um, so, again, nothing all that special. I think we could definitely write him off at that price. And, again, that's nothing against Bob. You know, we root for him. We, we enjoy Bob. But, yeah, some of these prices you got to pay um, are getting out of hand. Yep. We hit the uh, the old guy stretch here where you have Sergio, I guess live live guys, Lee Westwood and, and Rose kind of in the next range. Um, the the price stayed the same, I guess went down a hundred bucks for Jordan Smith. He is head to head with Peters, 7,200. Who's your pick between those two? Uh, it would be Jordan Smith. I think he's more reliable. I think he's got a better uh, manner than Thomas Peters for open championship stuff, which, I, I, you know, you keep hearing dad life from Peters that he might be okay, but uh, that would have to show better off. On, on Justin Rose, I think of any of the older guys, um, he would possibly be the one that I would um, put in some lineups. You know, he was sixth here in 2015. I think he was you know, top five again at Carnoustie. So I kind of like that. And we know all about his kind of master's record. It's just... He kind of lit himself down in, you know, over the weekend in Scotland. So it really just depends how you feel um, about him in general. But you know, he opened with a sixty-eight and seventy-two, and that was fine. Then just all of a sudden, shot that seventy-eight on on Saturday and and fell. So yeah, I'd say Justin Rose probably of, of the old guys. 
Um, it feels, man, I'm trying to pull up his major record as we talk here. So majors. So if we looked what he, he just always, I guess even at the U S open, I mean, it's it, it just, he just finds a way on that front page of a leaderboard at some point during every major, it feels like it's like, okay, here we go again. It's normally short game driven. Um, but yeah, I mean, still, I don't know. The price is, is a pretty hefty pay. I think I agree with you on Jordan Smith. Um, great week. I would stick right with him. Um, his 17th hole scoring. That was one of the best things I've ever seen. Ace two, two, two average under two on a par three. Unbelievable week for that. Him and his caddy win a car. Uh, really cool for them. Um, unfortunately Sunday didn't go as well. I mean, it's crazy to say that him, I mean, they didn't have to have that good of days in theory, like to, to really probably win that thing. Uh, but that is, it's why he's 20 to one every week on the DP world tour. And he's these numbers, you know, the major championship, you just look to take advantage. He doesn't have to pay off in that same way. So yes, I'm there with you. 7,200 biggest difference week over week in prices. We see Ryan Fox all the way down at 7,100. And he was 8,500 last week. And I believe he still cracked the teens in ownership. We thought people would pick other golfers around him. But guess what he did versus the other golfers there? He did play the weekend. There was a lot of guys priced above him, didn't make the cut. Um, This feels foxy. Like if you talked about distance, you know, in a short game, it does feel like Fox can keep it going. He's probably going to be mega chalk at 7,100 though. I didn't know. I was hoping that it would put people off last week that he struggled. And because I kind of said that like Renaissance hasn't been good to him so far, but he was fourth in tee to green in round two and 11th in round four. Uh, you know, so he had some really bad rounds either side of that. But like there was positive signs that suggest that his game is still there and maybe the course isn't suitable. So if we can get a little bit of a drop in ownership because people are pushing the panic button after last week, realizing it's not going to work, I don't know. But, you know, I think he's still viable. Oh yeah. I, I'm, I'm definitely in. I mean, you look, yeah, as off the tee was the first time he really struggled, but what's been very consistent about him this year is he's improved that around the green game and he's a phenomenal putter when he, when he gets it rolling, Yeah, some big spike weeks. So if you, again, you looked at that distance around the green and putting combination, it's there for Fox. And I think, um, of course, you're going to have to think about that, the, the ownership that comes with it. Now what his open championship history, right. Isn't, anything to take home best finish what he was 19 so 16th was at the open championship in 2019 when Lowry won did make the cut at car news dt39 so i guess at 7100 you're not asking the world again just like with smith i think very safe that fox is playing the weekend 30 finishes for both and you'd be happy right so um i think i think they're both in the realms of that possibility um any other guys for you at seven i mean like I guess Danny Willett is someone that has played well in flashes this year. And he was, it really scared me how bad he was last week. Like, he was terrible. Like, I was ready to play him in. Like, I was impressed with him at Canadian Open, impressed with him at British Masters, impressed with the Masters. Like that Masters appearance come out of nowhere. Like, I really wasn't expecting that, um, which makes me believe that he could probably do that uh, at St. Andrews again, where he obviously won the Dunhill Links for us last year and finished sixth in 2015 at the Open. That's I expect you to come in more uh, encouraging with, with Danny. I mean, if you yeah. look at St. Andrews specific numbers, you look at some of the golfers that have been the best here and then you combine that. But yeah, last week was really bad. If you had shown a little bit of life, um, I would have probably been okay going back to him in this setting, but 
yeah, I mean, it, it, it's it's not pretty. Um, but he, when, he lost nearly time, four four and a half strokes off the tee or tee to green in the first round, and nearly three again in the round two. So uh, really concerning. But I just think that this is the kind of golf course that you can just turn up and do okay on. He hasn't missed a cut since what the the 2014 Open Championship. Um, so if you look just at the opens, I mean, he's been rather good when he steps up. To, I mean, it's probably, but when you compare him versus Smith or Fox, I don't think, you know, you can even, even Peters, I don't think you can make that recommendation versus the other guys. Um, that's really it in the it's seven case. Yeah. Right. So I think we'll pick up the pace a little bit as we talk in the six case here. Out on Lee, 6,900 yes. is the guy, right? I think yes. I think we have to go there. Like, it's, you know, I, I you know, I have no problem going there. He was third at Birkdale. I know it was all driven a lot by that kind of final round uh, in 2017. But again, he finishes uh, in 39th place at Carnoustie. He had a decent round in round three. He was inside the top 20. He missed his last two cuts in British Open, but he's been, you know, bad. And, you know, that's, that's well documented. And he was disappointing last week. Uh, I think is is probably fair to say, but like I'm pretty sure he had some decent underlying numbers uh, against the kind of bad finishing end. Yeah, I think he was just really, really bad off the tee. Survived himself with the approach game, but I I was asleep right when lock happened, or, or didn't really pay attention to those first little bit because it was two, three in the morning. Um, I think he bogeyed his first three holes, and he he really rallied to make that cut. Um, I, I think there's similar guys. He, he nets the field in approach. So, okay. Yeah. I think, I think him, and I guess if we're saying at $6,900, I think Lucas Herbert, I'm going yeah. right back to the well there yeah. too. I think his outright number, I think so. So one of the stats, so if I pulled here, I looked into putting uh three putt percent on the PGA tour for greens and regulation when they have a 40 foot or further putt and so that would be you know they're it's not perfect it's not encapsulating everything but lucas herbert leads the category in the least amount of three putts by and large like it's not even really close it's him patrick reed tringali rom Xander, the top five tringali popped two last week it's pretty interesting you know looking through those guys but herbert's Herbert's game is built around upside and a miscut, especially the way he did it. I mean, that was uh, he, he was he was in great shape. Like I, I I'm pretty confident he he would you know play well this week based on the fact that he was doing everything right until the last minutes. Right? It just yeah, he, he was just T6, rejected T six yeah. halfway through the afternoon wave of of the event. I, I 100 am back on him. 6900 is criminal. I would prefer him to Hao Tong. Um, but you're getting some of these guys. I think you always write the first round leader piece. So I think this is, I might even dabble into first round leaders if we get a little bit of a wind split and you target these specific type of guys, a Fox, a Herbert, a Houtong. If you can, I mean, you can get some of them potentially triple digits on the first round leader. They offer deeper markets, top five, top 10 when it gets to the majors on these first rounds. I think incredibly interesting there at $6,900. Um, that's I've got, I've, I mean, I've got a couple that I think are just worth just mentioning names. So I think that Podry Harrison and Dean Burmeister would be interesting. I think Harrison's pretty safe, right? Like, 
which sounds ridiculous for someone of his age, but he's he's playing decent golf. He plays well when he drops down to the you know the DP World Tour stuff and and Link stuff anyway. Uh, so I do like that um, at sixty seven hundred, and then I like Thomas Dietrich at sixty six. So yeah, I was just saying, I guess in theory, sixty nine hundred. I was gonna I was gonna ask you about Arnas. Um, do you have any? He he played decent last week. He was up there early. Um, he does have like one of the better rounds played. Um, I think he opened like a 64. Um, last time, I guess he finished yeah. 47th. I don't, I don't trust him as much as the $7,100 guys personally. No, I would just give it a miss. Right. But not, but I wouldn't, you know, it wouldn't surprise me. He made the cut. I think a lot of, you know, decent golfers make the cut here and don't do anything. And I think he could be among that, like Alexander Bjork. I think both of those guys, uh, and I'd probably just play someone like Bjork just with the $300 discount, whatever it is on, on else. You brought up a golfer that I definitely want to keen in on. I'm trying to pull the price here. $6,700, Dean Burmeester. I think Burmeester is very much in play in all aspects. I think I'll probably find himself in a top 20 bet if the, if the weather's right, you know me, I like to ladder it up to an outright. So um, I, I think Dean, you look at him last week, he's just somebody who, I don't know. I don't know if I want to say like Herbert ask, but like, he's just going to pop on random weeks. I mean, you see him with a second place this year, followed by three missed cuts, followed by, you know, a 21st, a missed cut. And then a 10th last week, his 10th last week at the Scottish open was exceptional. Tita green. I believe he was, let's see, fifth in the field, Xander, Smalley, Wyndham Clark, Dietrich, like you mentioned, Dean Burmeester fifth. I think that's very intriguing. Basically to finish top 10 here or at Scottish open without gaining strokes on the green is always impressive. And his St. Andrews history is, is actually pretty appealing. I think uh, Ben Coley wrote about it pretty well. He had 180 here like four years ago, but his last few rounds here have been incredibly well. 65 on Sunday, the last time he played here, finished second, um, you know, there. So I, I really like Burmeester this week. Yeah, he's, he's trended right on, on the course. I missed his first three cuts and then finished 34th, 7th. And that's just a really good sign. And like you say, shot that final round 65. I think it was him and maybe Soderberg or someone like that. Uh, that Broberg. Broberg. Broberg that shot that, that really low round, right? When obviously Willett won. So, um, yeah, I, th- I think he's probably someone that could get you through the cut and maybe finish top 20, like you said. And that's a really high upside in, in this range where he gets very thin very quickly. Yeah, I'm trying to see if anyone stands out. Um, somebody who, well, actually, yeah, if I go $6,600, I think it's a little bit overpriced for how he's been this year. But sneakily the best, one of the best Lynx players in the game of golf. And where he caught my eye was here at St. Andrews when he was on the Challenge Tour. Matthew Jordan can play some Lynx golf, man. To make yeah. the cut last week and – this is how I felt about a lot of these guys, like Hautong, like Valamaki, like uh, Herbert. Like there was enough flat Hatton. There was enough flashes to get to the top 20 plus and just didn't really come through. And maybe they got out some of those blemishes and they can really carry on through a strong week. But if you look at golfers who have played a significant amount in this neck of the woods, I mean, Matthew Jordan um, for the price that kind of around there, He's played pretty dang well um, in kind of this area of the world. I, I think he's intriguing. I wish it was like two, three hundred, four hundred cheaper. I don't think he's really deserving of a sixty-six hundred dollar price. But man, I would not be surprised to see him in in a Lynx type of day flashing that leaderboard. 
I think for him, it would be better if he got tougher. Uh, yes. And and that's, you know, something that always points towards good links players, right? And I think, like you say, he's he's a little bit more expensive, which is going to keep the ownership down, which is probably fine. I mean, you know, if I talk about the event as a whole, I like Wyndham Clark at 6,600. Oh, so, Tom, I love Wyndham Clark. Love yeah. him. So like Dietrich and Wyndham Clark for me at 6,600 kind of overtake Jordan. Uh, and yeah. we've got to go back to Gian Kim at 65, right? Like first ever, Damn. first ever Lynx star and he finishes third in that field. It's, it, I mean, he, he, Tom, he was so close. I and mean, 20, he, he 23rd made, of the US Open as well. Yeah, I mean, he made a, like a 12-footer on that par five and then he stuffs it on 17, makes it sucks he missed that put on 18 i'm so happy he didn't miss out of the playoff because yeah, that yeah. would have really stung but he also had 15 foot birdie looks on fifth or on 14 and 15 like he really was setting himself up well um loved his way he was it's i just hope for for him he's one of those guys that the conditions pick up it's better for him he is not long off the tee so he's going to kind of lose that advantage but if you're playing Spieth, if you're playing uh, Cam Smith, these guys that maybe, I mean, Ju Young is is as accurate as they come. So he kind of has that in his bag, but um, he will be definitely one to track. I think he'll probably pull in a decent amount of ownership um, to down here because of last week, but it gets thin when you go below that. I don't know if there's any golfer, uh, regardless of where they play, that is really catching my eye beneath him. It's pretty weird. It's like, you think of Jamie Donaldson, you think he'd be like a really good links player and a really good open championship player. And then he is not. He is terrible in both of those aspects. Bad in this course, bad in the open. But he's 20th at the, uh, the Irish and 6th at the Scottish Open. Like, that's quite eye catching for a six $300 golfer. But he's just been so bad in both this golf course and the open championship in general. For sure. Um, I think we flew over Min Woo. He's another one when you look at distance and short game. Um, I guess he was 6,900 with the other guys. Yeah, but I mean, I, I did that on purpose. Surprise. I don't know. I prefer I prefer others there. I, but So we ran through, I guess, anybody that I feel like would be in play for me from the DP World Tour side, guys that we've, we've hit on here. Um, Probably the most confidence, um, like you mentioned, 6,900 for me going right back to Lucas Herbert. Um, I, I'd say him and Burmeester would be my most two confident uh, guys that I'd be, be planning on uh, putting into lineups, barring weather changes right now. What, just from the lower range or in, across the whole I guess you, you could go across the board, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, obviously, I'd probably go with one of Fleetwood or Hatton, but, like, um, maybe Jordan Smith, 7,200 would probably be my guy. Um, okay. Uh, but that would be based on I don't think he can ever win, and I don't think he can even probably top ten. I think he'd be fifteenth or twentieth, which would be a good week. Yeah, that that hundred percent would pay off. Kind of that salary range. Yeah, no, I'm excited to mix these guys in. I'm excited for the week, Tom. I'm looking forward to our show together, Lost for Words. Uh, looking forward, of course, what Mayo Media Network continues to put out. Um, you know, we have the Andrew Curse on, on one of my favorite golfers um, this week. You know, was El Torres, but. Excited to see what, what this week brings. Um, it's as good as it gets, man. If, if, open. if you let, let's give the, the viewers and listeners very quickly, like if, you know, just ignoring the DP World Tour players and not from the angle, like if you're picking a guy to win, do you have someone yet or is it is he still gonna wait? Gosh, it, it's it's tough. I, I I always have a very tough time picking from the top of the leaderboard, yeah, or the top of the odds board. There's nobody, um, but I think we're both better at finding value plays, right? And that's kind of our edge. But I think 
this this time around, I just feel I'd feel really stupid if I left out Xander or Spieth. Yeah, I just think those conditions. Yeah, I mean, Spieth was so good last week. I don't know, like, truthfully, uh, yeah, I, I just feel so much better giving giving out picks down the board. Like, Wyndham and Herbert, like, were two, like, guys that I feel really, really good Wyndham about. I love Clark. Really um, love Wyndham Clark. Yeah, in, in that sense, I think Keith Mitchell makes a lot of sense in, in that same way, too. He's already gaining steam. Um, I mean, I'm excited for Cam in this setup. I think Cam and Spieth are kind of similar in that way. I think the numbers outright on Justin Thomas are pretty long. Um, that are out there yeah I don't I don't fully have where I stand at the top of the board um, but I'm, I'm pretty honed in on these guys that we, we discussed today I really like JT Post at 7300 I just think okay. it's going to work like he he is really I think he leads over the last three months in par four scoring um, and he is 17th in scrambling in that same time frame and he's coming off a second and first place finish. Obviously, that John Deere is not the week before, but it generally seems to translate pretty well. Um, and he's at the third at the Heritage Night for the Wells Fargo. Like, it's been a sustained run. So, uh, JT Poston to kind of finish inside the top 15 somewhere at 7,300 for me. Okay. And then I would say my other, like, off-the-board stance would be the Brooks and Gooch lineups um, on DraftKings. I, I really think they're going to be lower-owned and, and talked off of because of everything going on. We're going to have to have a Bryson discussion as well later, Ooh, which okay. which yeah. would be interesting. But, so yeah. two years ago, we thought he was going to destroy the home of golf. So yeah. things yeah. change. For sure. Well, cool. Well, we'll wrap this up. Um, again, you can find us at Skyhook DFS at Tom Jacobs 93. Um, yep. So you can find there um, on Twitter. We'll be active all week. Uh, super excited to round out the last major of 2022. Tom, it's been a pleasure. We still have a stretch run of DP world tour golf. Um, one thing I love that came out of these lip discussions, Will Zalatoris pledging his allegiance to the DP World Tour. Maybe we'll get him back in the Rolex series uh, as we close kind of finishing. I wonder if we'll but, get him at uh, Wentworth this year, maybe. Ooh, oh, that's, that is got Zalatoris written all over it. I love it. Well, thank you all for listening. Best of luck this week at the home of golf, and we'll catch you next.